Welcome to the podcast where relationships, confidence, and determination all converge into an amazing heartfelt experience. This is Speaking from the Heart. Welcome back to episode 28 of Speaking from the Heart. Today we have a very special guest, at least for me, as this is somebody that I haven't spoken to in over 18 years and was able to connect as a result of starting this podcast. Her name is Kim Herbine. She graduated with me from Ole Valley High School, which is located in Ole, Pennsylvania, closer to Philadelphia, and more specifically, Reading, Pennsylvania, in 2005, and attended college at Oklahoma State University, where she majored in food science and later graduated in 2009. She started her career in Reading, Pennsylvania, with the Dairy Farmers of America, picking up where one of her internships left off, and after six years in that role, embarked on a journey into the pharmaceutical testing area of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. After 2017, she actually came back to the dairy industry and then became a quality assurance and compliance coordinator for Berkshire Dairy and Food Products in Wyomissing, Pennsylvania, which is a subsidiary of the Dairy Farmers of America. She enjoys helping her parents out on her farm and watching her nephews play sports. She also has a blue healer pup that keeps her busy. And she has also been through some uncharted waters, which we get into with this episode. And I really enjoyed not only catching up with her, but what I didn't realize is what some of the things that she's been through and the common threads that interweave together even though that we might have been separated as classmates for over half our lives. With that, let's go to the episode. All right, I'm here with Kim Herbine. Kim, thanks for speaking from the heart with us today. Hi, Josh. It's been a long time, but it's good to reconnect with you. Now, I'm going to say full disclosure for the audience that Kim and I go back over 18 years because that's the last time I saw her when I walked across my high school graduation stage. So yes, folks, we are classmates from way back when. And I have to tell you, Kim, that you now earned the badge of being the first classmate on Speaking <laughs> from the Heart. So congratulations. I have stickers made up. I will mail one to you because I gave one just recently to another person that has been on our show showing off their photography. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I will look forward to that in the mail. Absolutely. I have to get them made up first. So we might have to wait <laughs> quite a while. <laughs> but Kim, I let the audience know everything about what you've been doing over the last several years of your life. And I want to start off with this question because you and I both grew up on farms and mm -hmm. I feel like that's the biggest passion, even for me, although I've moved out now and it's been almost 20 years or so since I even picked up a pitchfork with my mom. When you grew up in a farm setting, did you think that you would have a career that was based around that? Did you ever think that would be where life would take you? I'm just curious what that has meant for you, especially as you've gone down the path since I've last seen you. Since I was a little kid, I always wanted to stay in agriculture. I didn't think I'd be where I'm sitting today, but I definitely, I, ever since I've been a kid, you know, my favorite animals were pigs and cows. And I loved being on the farm with my parents. I loved feeding animals. I loved showing livestock and educating the public at the fairs, being involved in 4-H and FFA. So 
ever since I was a little kid, I think my first dream was to be a large animal vet. I wanted to take care of cows and make sure that they were all healthy and well cared and kept for and everything. But as I got older and as I got more in tune with the industry and the different facets of the industry, I definitely evolved and I feel found my passion in the industry doing QA and compliance and food regulatory, making sure we have a safe food supply for the people of the United States. Do you see that being a challenge, especially nowadays? Because I feel that having all these regulations when it comes to food and how we process it and things, it's come a long way. I know when both you and I went to college, not the same school, but different schools, I know I learned a lot about the fact that that industry that's been over a century old, even longer, has gone through a lot of changes because product safety was really big. Have you seen that getting even tighter over the course of your career? And if so, tell me a little bit about those struggles, because I'm sure that there are some struggles when you're dealing with compliance and QA, all of those things. Oh, yeah. I believe FISMA went into which is the Food Safety Modernization Act. President Obama put that into office, I believe, in 2011. And that really kind of hunkered down on a lot of regulations food manufacturers here in the United States have to adhere to, which came with a lot more paperwork, a lot more traceability, and just a lot more work on everybody's part. So we definitely see a lot more paperwork in the last 10 years in the industry than we ever have before, but it's all for the better. Audit schemes to make sure companies are checking all the boxes to make sure that they have all the parameters in place to have safe quality food for the next step in the process because some of these manufacturing companies are making ingredients for another company it's not even going straight to consumer there's definitely been a lot of hurdles a lot of challenges still a lot of challenges regulations are still changing with the fda and the usda every day Um, but we're definitely getting there it's definitely safe for the people safe for consumers out there and everything's done with that safety in mind so i think that we're definitely on the right track with all the changes that we are seeing and the changes that are being made. It's just at what point do we feel we've had enough change? Speaking of change, I've noticed that you've changed a lot over (laughs) these last 18 years when it comes to the different roles that you've had, not only professionally, but looking at you now and thinking about the last time I saw you, I've just seen like this big expansion in your own life when it comes to possibilities. And I'm just curious, why have you jumped around? Because you've been in the pharmaceutical industry for a little bit. You came back to the dairy industry. What makes you passionate about this? I started right out of college in the dairy industry. I worked on the manufacturing side for the same company I actually work for now. And that was my first job out of college. I actually got that job. I had the internship there the year prior So I kind of already had my foot in the door. I knew what I was getting into right out of college and coming out of college, being a broke college student, you kind of just want that security of, hey, I have income coming. I'm not going to have to worry about bills, stuff like that. And I found over the six years I was working in the lab that I really liked lab work. I really liked troubleshooting problems. I have a very, I feel scientific brain, if you will. So that kind of stuff really just sings to my heart. So equipment and testing and stuff like that really was my passion. Unfortunately, with what the position I had, I was on third shift for six years, not really a whole lot of room for opportunity and growth 
at that level in the position in a plant, you can only go so far. And I just needed a change. I needed to get off of third shift. I was starting a relationship with someone. I wanted to have some stability there. I didn't want to watch third shift to make another relationship in my life crumble. I found that's when I jumped to the pharmaceutical industry. I was doing testing there as well. Completely different testing than I was used to, completely different atmosphere than I was used to. And a big reason for that jump is I wanted to make sure I was where I needed to be. I was questioning if I wanted to be in the science field and just worry about testing or if I was truly wanting to be in the agriculture industry and where I really wanted to be. And I thought I knew that answer. In my head, I was like, yeah, you grew up in agriculture. You want to stay there. But I felt like I needed to be sure. I had that moment of questioning myself. I didn't last in the pharmaceutical industry very long. It was about three years. It's really stressful over there, I found. And they're a lot more strict and stringent on their testing and when things go wrong and paperwork trails. And not to say the food industry isn't strict about that, but the pharmaceutical industry is a lot more strict. That's actually surprising to hear because I would have thought the opposite. So for me to hear this is actually (laughs) eye-opening. They take things very, very seriously over there. And that's not a bad thing, but it's just a little too stressful for me. And I got to my breaking point early on. I knew pretty quick the pharmaceutical industry was not where I wanted to stay. I was good at what I did. My bosses and stuff sang praise to me for the job I did and everything, but it just wasn't for me. And just by happenstance, this position that I have now was newly created. I work for Dairy Farmers of America and Berkshire Dairy in Wyoming, Pennsylvania is one of the sales and marketing arms for Dairy Farmers of America. And the office here had been pushing for a QA position and they finally decided, okay, it's time to create this position. We're to the point with all the documentation, the paperwork, we need someone to just take the reins and handle this. And I just so happened to see it before they had closed the applications and made a decision on hiring someone. And they pretty much without telling me they hired me on the spot, hired me on the spot. So that made me feel good to kind of walk back into not only an industry, but to a company that I was already familiar with and I already enjoyed working for. So when I did get hired, it was just like coming home. I hit the ground running. I really didn't take much time at all to get my feet wet. You already know the material. You already know the regulations and the documentation and the paperwork and the day-to-day. And I feel like I'm a very strong asset here and hopefully have a long time and a long career in my position at at DFA in Berkshire. Are you satisfied now? Because you were saying earlier about having that level of satisfaction and trying to find that. But are you professionally satisfied? Are you personally satisfied that all those elements come together with what you're doing now? I don't think I could be more satisfied right now. DFA is a dairy cooperative. We're the biggest dairy cooperative in the United States currently. And we work for our farmers. Our farmers own our cooperative. We have over 11,000 farmer members. And some of them I know personally because they're right here in Berks County. So for me to sit here and know that the work I'm doing directly impacts and benefits people I know personally outside of work is about as meaningful as it can get for me. Before we even hit the record button, Kim and I were just catching up over what the last 18 years have been and how this world has completely changed, especially since we graduated high school. Kim, my question to you is, 
seeing what we have seen over these years since we walked out of those doors of Ole Valley High School. Shout out to all of my alma maters out there. Kim and I are shouting out to you. Wondering, do you feel that you were prepared when you left school to take on the world and what that has meant? And you're already shaking your head at me, but I really... <laughs> Would love to hear your verbal response, and so do my listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I was prepared. Could I have made it on my own if I had to? Yes, I did. I went to school halfway across the country. I didn't know a single soul when I got there. I feel like I made it. I, I could handle it, but I wasn't prepared for it. I got to college, and I didn't know how to study. High school was a I don't want to say a cakewalk for me, but I didn't have to put a whole lot of effort into keeping my grades in high school. And in college, I was humbled very quickly that this is going to be hard and this you need to take it a little bit more seriously than you ever took your studies before. So for me to struggle like that and have to figure out how to study at the age of 19, 20 years old, that was kind of a shock for me. Just on that aspect alone, I don't think I was ready. And I don't know if things have changed in the public school system since, but things like mortgages and taxes and 401ks, and that was all very just confusing the first time I had to deal with any of that as well. You're not taught it. You're not prepared for it. And you just kind of stumble through it and hope whoever's helping you is giving you the best advice possible. Now I'm going to mention a couple of teachers that come to mind, and I think this is going to be a blast from the past. But as <laughs> soon as you started saying that, I started thinking of, hmm, wonder what those teachers were that kind of helped us a little bit, but maybe not all the way. I remember Mrs. Gundrum. I don't know if you ever had her. She was the computer teacher that taught a lot of different software, but she also did a little bit about personal finances. Did you have well, her? No, I didn't. But now I think it might have been beneficial if maybe I had. Well, Mrs. Gundrum, if you're still around, I'm hoping you are. Thank you for allowing me to write a check because I've been able to write a check ever since your class for over 20 years. And yes, I know it's a dying art because we have the PayPal and the Cash App, but I still write a check because my landlord still likes the paper. But I don't know if you remember Mr. Wyacek. I think he did teach okay. a little bit of that too, although he was more on the social studies side. I remember him being able to provide a lot of that for us too. <laughs> I had him for economics and he did talk a little bit about investments and things like that. So it made understanding my 401k a little easier. But when you first come out of the gates, some of those terms they throw you during settlement of your mortgage and stuff, you just, it's deer in headlight season. Mr. Rychek, if you're also still around with us, please, next time you should have taught us more about mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> But all kidding aside, Kim, I, I know exactly what you mean. And I'm just baffled that you took yourself more than halfway across the country to actually start your career path. Can you tell us if that was a struggle, even getting started too? Because I know you started to go into that a little bit when it came to adjusting with the academics and not knowing anybody. But was there more to it than just that? Well, I think the struggle for me started when I first just applied because I didn't know where I wanted to go. I was one of the last seniors in our class to actually commit to a college. I didn't commit until the end of May, our senior year. I had no idea about that because I think I committed in March or April when I went to Alvernia University. Shout out to my alma mater, go Golden Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> 
I couldn't make up my mind. That all started back in fall when I applied to schools. My mom hated me because every school had an application fee. And here I was spending all of her money to apply to all these schools because I couldn't make up my mind where I wanted to go. I had good reason to want to go to each of them. So I narrowed it down to six and I applied to all six and I said, well, we'll get at least one rejection. And I had a safe school that I knew I would get into no matter what. That way, if I got all the rejections, I knew I was still okay. And then none of them rejected me. So while that was great, it was also really annoying because I had to make, I was trying to figure out in the first place. So after a lot of hee-hawing around, a lot of talking about scholarship opportunities at these locations, programs I had to offer, judging teams, just looking at every pro and con, I finally settled on Oklahoma State and committed the end of May, about two weeks, I think, before we graduated, I committed without ever visiting campus. I did not do a single campus visit. I'm probably the only high school senior to never visit school before she commits to it. But that was also 2004, 2005. It was the age when FaceTime and Zoom weren't available yet. The internet was not near what it is today. So I kind of went into this all very blind. But the second week of August, we loaded up and drove out to Stillwater, Oklahoma. And I knew from the minute I got on that campus that it was where I was meant to be. You were able to go through and you've had this successful career. Has there been any personal struggles for you? And if so, how have you overcome them? Yeah, we all have different personal struggles. I was always an angsty teen. I didn't always portray it or show it. I tried to still behave in the public eye, but at home, I always, like any teen, we all had the disagreements with our parents and stuff. But most recently, I've just hit a very rough patch in my personal relationship. And it's been probably the hardest time of my life up to now, to the point where I've actually It's about a year and a half now I've been in therapy, working through like just the struggles and how I got here and why I got here, how to make, if not for anything or anyone else, my life better, overcome the struggles and move into the next phase of life. For my audience, they have heard about my struggles and Kim, you've been following me ever since high school too, about what those struggles are too. And I think you have shared some of that personal connection. I will never underestimate the power of having somebody to be able to talk to about it, especially a therapist that's trained to help you to professionally process that because they have skills and counseling opportunities to do that. You said that it's a struggle. Is it a struggle because it's a lot to process? Is it because of the uncertainty of where that will take you. Because for me, as I've been going through therapy and working through this therapist that God bless her for being able to stick with me and my nonsense that I had the first half of that time where I was lying to myself of, oh, I have no problem, I have no problem. And realizing that I was telling myself this fake story that wasn't really true. Have you felt like it's been a struggle because of the things that you've had to tackle with it. Is this anything that you could share with us that might help bring some insight to this? I think you hit it on the head a little bit. I think the first struggle is accepting that you need help. 
and accepting that you need to talk to somebody who you don't know and doesn't know you or your struggles so they can kind of come in as an outsider and see the truth and help you you realize it and understand it. I didn't want to seek therapy initially. I figured I could figure this out on my own. I'm Pennsylvania Dutch, so I I do have that stubborn gene. Um, <laughs> yes, we all know <laughs> what that is. And I definitely grew up right up the road from Kutztown, which is the heart of Pennsylvania Dutch country. For those that are outside of Pennsylvania, you can certainly find out a lot more if you talk to Kim and I, because we can give you a little taste of it. But I'm sorry, Kim, I had to share that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. My dad's from Kutztown, so I fully understand. Uh, I have that stubborn gene and I didn't need anybody else's help. I could figure this out. This was my problem to deal with and I was going to deal with it. And I finally got to a point where I just didn't understand my problem anymore. I wasn't even sure if I understood myself anymore. I finally got to a point where I said, yes, I need to work on myself and I need help doing it. I reached out to a therapist and started initially going every week and just explaining the struggles I was dealing with in life and trying to wrap my head around it and she's amazing and she makes me question well why did you do that why did you stay in a situation why didn't you speak up why do you let people walk on you where did your backbone go and after a little bit I finally did start to speak up again and I finally did find my backbone that went on a vacation without me and eventually it got to a point where I was standing up for myself again I was saying what needed to be said. I was addressing things differently. One thing I found is I'm an emotional person when it comes to my relationships and I speak ironically enough from the heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always like a shout out for speaking from the heart. So I know how that is. Thanks for shouting that out. <laughs> You're welcome. I, I do wear my heart on my sleeve more often than not. I care more about other people than I care about myself sometimes. And I only want the best for people. And I take that too far sometimes. I don't care about myself enough at times. And then I become a pushover or that's when I get walked on. And she's made me see that you can care about yourself, but at the same time, not get to that point, not get to that point where you're used or walked on or overshadowed by other people taking advantage of your kindness. I still go every other week or thereabouts as best I can because I still... I don't believe anyone is ever perfect. And while you might not think you need to see a therapist or that life is good right now, I feel like you, it always benefits to have that person in your corner if you need them. So I have kept up going. Things have gotten better, but I definitely think it's something that you should always have an option to do if you need to. I find power in what you say because... I would have never thought, Kim, is somebody that grew up with you for many years before we went our own separate ways. I would have never thought I would hear 18 years later saying, yeah, I went through that. It was very tough. And I lost a little bit of myself. And I'm encouraged to hear that you have started to find those pieces and you continue to work on that even outside of therapy. What are some of the things that you have done to continue to build that confidence back for yourself, knowing that it was damaged, it was destructive. How did you do that? I think my listeners would love to know that because there are healthy ways to do it 
And there was also the not healthy ways to do it. And I've seen both. And I've also been part of both in my own life. And I've had to separate those things out. So I'm curious if you could talk about that. Well, I've been lucky to have some of my really best friends and my parents behind me as a support system. So that has really helped when I just need somebody who isn't my therapist to talk some sense into me sometimes or make me realize, hey, you're heading down the wrong direction or, hey, you're doing really good today. They'll give me positive reinforcement too. And I think people are so quick to point out your flaws and to point out your negatives and where you're making mistakes. You don't have enough people out there telling you, hey, you're doing a good job or you you did this and it's really good to see you do that again. You haven't done that in a long time. I'm really blessed to have a good support system in my corner But I also, like I said, I lost myself for a while and I wasn't doing any of the things I enjoyed. I love to go country line dancing. I love to craft in my spare time. And I love to spend time at the farm with my parents and their livestock. And I wasn't going to my parents for a while. I hadn't been dancing in years. I just wasn't doing anything for me. I was so focused on doing things for other people and I'm finally back to that point where I try to go out once or twice a month with friends and go dancing again. I go to my parents at least once a week again. I try to make time every week to do a craft or some kind of hobby that I enjoy. Go for a walk with my dog. Something that's just for me and makes me feel good and happy. And I really haven't put that time and effort into that in a very long time. Wow. I know that I did that to myself too. I was an avid reader and that helped me get over a lot of my speech impairment early on. And it still helped me to continue to build this big library in my brain of all these different philosophies, tolerations of different thoughts, things of that nature. And I want you to do this for me. I want you, because obviously we are now double the age of when we were going through high school. So here we go. I want you to take the picture of yourself that you were when you were half your age, okay? Mm -hmm. And I want you to now take your other side and look at what you're doing today. Did you ever think that you would be telling your 18-year-old, yes, I'm doing this right now. I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. I think that you're going to enjoy what you're doing. And do you ever think that would have ever happened that you would have led yourself down this path of maybe feeling that way, or even some of the things that you've done professionally? And if so, or if not so, tell us why. I think I would be, if I were 18 right now, I definitely would not have seen myself where I am now. Back to the stubborn, like when I was 18, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to climb every mountain to get there. And I was so dead set on this is where I was going, this is what I was doing, that I didn't really leave a whole lot of room for adjustments and change. And I think once I got to college and I started taking those classes and I really started to understand things that were truly my interests, that's when I was like, well, maybe I'll be happier doing that. Let me explore that a little more. And lo and behold, I did find, you know, something I was a lot more passionate about. And it took me a struggle to even understand I needed therapy, let alone to go. So at 18, I never would have imagined I would have, I'd be in this place in my life mentally or anything like that. It's definitely not where I expected to be, but I'm not sad with where I am either. I'm humbly content where I'm at right now. 
that leads me into a very important question I have for you, because there are some people that are not satisfied with that. They are afraid to take that first step to get self-help. And I started my business earlier this year with the intention of trying to help people not only where they're at, but also get them to that next destination, whether that is through life coaching, whether that is through professional development, whether it's through all these different things. When you see somebody or you might have hear somebody saying that they're struggling with making that decision, what would you say is your advice to them? And it could be even these very people that are listening to this right now. What's your message to them to help them get across that finish line so that they are able to change that perspective of, yes, I need to go get help? I think one thing is if you have friends or family that come to you and talk to you about that, don't brush them off. They're coming to you because they're concerned and they care about you. It's not because they're trying to push you to do something or change you. They're genuine concern there. And you might not want to hear what they have to say, but at least listen. Even if you think about it later, don't just brush them off and tell them you're not interested in what they have to say. But at the same time, self-reflection, I think, is always helpful. We can always sit down and look at our situations and situations we were in or encountered and look back at them and be like, okay, I should have handled this differently. I could have handled this better and realize where our issues are. And then once we figure out what those issues are, decide if we can change them ourselves or if we need help changing them from someone with more experience in those issues. And that's kind of, in some aspects, what led me to gain some of the help. I went out and sought knowing I'm an emotional person and sometimes I speak before I think things through, I needed to understand how do I control my emotions? I need to sit down and compile my thoughts and compose myself before I have a a heartfelt conversation with somebody so I don't say the wrong thing or I don't speak too emotionally and my point is clear when I'm trying to get it across. We're getting closer to the end of our time, and this has just been really awesome. It feels like it's a flash from the past catching up with you and getting to see you because I have to be honest with you. Before I hit the record button, I'm going to let the audience know this, Kim, because I think it's really important. I actually apologized to her because I said I really alienated a lot of people from high school because of some deep-seated hatred that I had from people that teased me and people that bullied me. So for all those that are listening to me right now, I'm going to say one thing. Ha! I got you. I did it. I was successful. And Kim, you could do the same thing. But you know what's special about you is that you're very humble about it. And you're very persistent in continuing to still push forward, even though in these things that are happening in the background, you're making a career for yourself. My final question is this. If you are doing that, if I am stating what my opinion is true of you and what I've seen of what your story has been, what would you say is something that has carried you through these last 18 years? One value, I want you to think about one value that has carried you forward that represents this whole entire nebulous of our conversation. And I want you to tell us why that value and how does that apply to us? How can we make that apply to us when it comes to either having great relationships, whether we're having great confidence, maybe being determined to move forward? I want you to speak from the heart 
about this. I want you to really share it with us. What is it that has gotten you through thick and thin? That's a good question. <laughs> I think the one thing that just keeps pushing me forward is that we're never, we don't know everything. So mm. I'm constantly yearning to learn more. I'm never a know-it-all. I mean, I'm good at my job and I know my job well, but there's always more to learn. And you could just by listening to people, whether it's their life experience or actual scientific data they're trying to tell you no matter what the topic listening to people and understanding people getting to know them getting to know their stories just shooting the breeze with a stranger on the street you can learn so much from people and not even realize you're learning it and then you can take some of that and carry it with you through life make changes of your life with some of the stories people tell you so I think that's one thing that always just keeps me going and pushes me forward is knowing that there's so much out there that I don't know that I have the opportunity to learn and know. It just pushes me to seek more, understand people more, gain friendships, talk to that stranger in the grocery store, even if it's just a casual passing in the chip aisle or something like that. It's just beneficial to put yourself out there and understand the people of the world. Yeah. You're absolutely right about that. And that's what makes us so important in this bigger picture that we call the world, because now we're interconnecting each other with being able to understand what those viewpoints are, learning a little bit more about what those individuals are saying. But more importantly, we're creating that value within ourselves to be able to touch other people's lives. Kim, I don't know if you really knew this or not. But I held this back and I really wanted to tell you this is that I remember a situation in third or fourth grade that happened to me that I didn't really understand why it happened. I don't want to really get in particulars with the audience about it because I'm not quite ready to share it. But let me put it to you this way. I don't know if you ever remember me running out of the classroom or just freaking out all the way back in elementary school. I know there were certain people that remember that. And I remember like a few people I kind of remember in the back of my brain as being people that really helped influence me and keep me going and still talk to me, although I was going through all these things and there these act outs. But you've always been that consistent person in my life that even though we haven't talked, you've been there. And it's been one of those things of like, wow, this is really cool. I never thought that I would have somebody that I knew since my childhood, still following me in terms of what I've been doing, what I've been sharing, what I've been going through as struggles. And I just want to say thank you for doing that. And I want to thank you for speaking from the heart with us today, too, with my audience to share your story and how you have just continued to push the thread all the way across the country and back and doing what you're doing because you're doing an important work. And I think that we all are safe because of people like you. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being you because I really valued our friendship, even though we haven't been really great friends. And I'm part of that problem. And I know that too, but I'm fessing up. You have inspired me. So thank you for that. Thanks for having me, Josh. I really enjoyed being able to connect with you again and share my experiences with your viewers. I want to thank Kim for being part of this show and 
being able to reconnect with her made me realize that even with a lot of people that I was even referring to in the episode, it has those memories that we often think about when we are connecting with somebody that we haven't seen in a long time. And it brings back a lot of those passions, those thrills, those excitements. But for me, what it brought back was pain, anger, and frustration more than anything else. And I shared that a lot with Kim even before we started the interview because of the things that I was going through at that time, which she has been following me for over 18 years since we graduated and has been able to see from a distance what that transformation has been in even my own life. It's interesting to have people come back and see who you have become as a result of all those things that happen in your life. And it's always an interesting perspective to receive. And I think for myself, it's really hard to discuss or describe what that emotion can be when you are going through something of that nature, when you are reconnecting with somebody. We often think about the fact that we have people in our lives that are troublemakers, they create frustration points for us, we can always think about ways in which we can avoid them, disconnect from them, but they always seem to come back at one point or another, whether we like it or not. And I really think that for our interview, Kim really demonstrated the importance of figuring out how to keep moving forward despite what all those priorities are that change in our lives, but to also help us to understand the seriousness of being able to do that despite all the things that might be occurring. And there's things that I even learned about Kim in this episode that makes me think about the opportunities that still exist with even connecting with others that will eventually be part of this show as a whole. Because we're sometimes not even prepared to even handle some of the things that happen when it comes to change. Her example of going to the other side of the country after graduating from high school is a prime example of that. And for her to sit in that and to share how she struggled with that, to understand that the challenges and the expectations that we once thought of are no longer there. There's a whole new identity as a result of all those things that are happening. And we have to think about what those connections are. We have to understand that we have the same tools that we usually have. We can always think that we're going to make it through, that it's okay. We have all those things available to us. But unfortunately, that is not true. And it happens at every stage of our lives. I know I've learned that example numerous times. Thinking about the things that are changing even in my own life right now, I resonate with those that are going through those examples and even thinking about what they're trying to do to help themselves get from point A to point B, which has always been the premise and the foundation of many of our conversations with the guests that we've had on this show. But it's all about accepting that you need help and being able to understand that need of the help so that you are able to get assistance when it's required. And Kim talked a lot about that, especially when it came to getting through some of the things, some of the challenges that are involved with changing jobs, going into a whole new industry, 
and being able to just take care of yourself when it really matters the most. That's why I resonated so much with her about her journey going through therapy the last few years that it makes me understand a lot more about my own therapeutic adventures that even though I still struggle to this day as it comes to those sort of thoughts, feelings, emotions, and connections with others, I know that I'm going to continue to make progress because it's all about the journey. It's all about what I'm trying to achieve because there's never going to be a destination. That's what's so beautiful about going on a journey. Sometimes people get tired during that journey. They might run out of money. They might run out of clothes. They might run out of all kinds of necessities in order to continue that path. And we often have to rest. We have to think about ways in which we can raise money so that we can continue on that adventure. I know that for many of my high school friends, they have even started more adventures for themselves, which I've been able to follow over the years since then. And I've always been in awe and of inspiration for them because of the opportunities that they have created for themselves and what they are doing for families just like themselves and for others as well. I love the fact that you have to brush off what others have to say. It isn't that you have to absorb that. You have to reflect on that. Composing yourself is something that we often forget about doing. And it's really tough to do, especially when you have all these thoughts and feelings about yourself that are often challenging and often difficult to overcome. We need to be able to move forward when it's really important more than anything else. But trying to move that big boulder that's in the way oftentimes leaves us in that same position. And Kim saw that in me for many years, and I know that she also had to go through a lot of those boulders herself. She mentioned about the relationship that has been having problems, and I really respect the fact that even though Kim's having these problems, she's still finding that source of strength in order to inspire others. And even then, she's continuing to find a path for herself so that she can be able to move forward in a direction that is needed where it is really needed the most. Challenges in itself often mean understanding a vast complexity of regulations and rules, and she does that for a living, and I respect that because of her background and what I've been able to know about her for a number of years. We don't need to have all these rules and regulations remembered in the back of her brain. Because we learn those from the experiences that we're able to enjoy, that we're able to understand. As one guest formally put it, it's all about understanding the beauty that's within inside ourselves. It's understanding that acceptance of creating an opportunity of learning more about ourselves and getting to understand what's truly important, similar to what Kim has shared even with us. I don't know about you, but I know for many of us, we go through a lot of different adventures in our lives. And whether that takes us halfway across the country or makes us feel fulfilled knowing that we're back home and helping those that we deeply, truly care about, including even our parents, our cousins, our nephews, our siblings, our significant others, no matter who those people are, no matter where they're at. Just know that there is always an opportunity to help others 
when that help is required. You don't have to have all these skills in order to be able to do that, though. You don't have to carry a shield around thinking that you have to protect yourself from every single instance of what has happened. And you know that it is really important when you are able to see that version of yourself being able to take care of the multitude of possibilities that exist deep inside. Kim exemplifies the stories that many of us often have, whether that is going through some of the highest of the highs with being able to be promoted at work, being able to get married, or even being able to accomplish that puzzle that we've been working on with over 5,000 pieces over the course of several months. Sometimes, though, we are going to be in those downward trends, and that's when friends count the most even if you haven't talked to them for over 18 years. It reminds me so much of the importance of the connection, having those relationships, the value of what my business is all about, and what the value of all of our businesses are about, whether they are for revenue-generating purposes or to have fulfillment in the life that we're leading. It's not just about all the things that we're trying to accomplish. It's about that connection. It's about understanding that we can create that value for ourselves and each other, as the late Jerry Springer had once said. But do we need to change? Do we always need to be serious? Do we always need to be prepared? Sometimes it's just about living life and knowing that you can live life to the fullest, understanding that you are always on that constant journey of growth. And if you're able to do that, and if you're able to leave room for adjustments and change, you can also be successful, just like Kim is, in all that she's doing and she's continuing to do. Because let's face it, we're all successful human beings. All it takes is just that first step. Thanks for listening to episode number 28 of Speaking from the Heart. And I look forward to hearing from your heart very soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about our podcast and future shows, search for Speaking from the Heart to subscribe and be notified wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit us at www.yourspeakingvoice.biz for more information about potential services that can help you create the best version of yourself. See you next time.